Father, we lift our hands and surrender to you, and we thank you for the blessed, wonderful Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. We open up our hearts, and we, we make room for you tonight. We make room for you this year. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way in our lives. Have your way in our homes. Have your way in our families, our marriages. Lord, everything about us, Lord, we just put it out before you, and we say, have your way. Hallelujah. Say that to the Lord. Have your way in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you that you've given us eyes to see. You've given us ears to hear. You've given us a heart that's supple and pliable and responsive to your word. And so, Father, we thank you as we open our hearts to the word of God tonight. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you open up the eyes of our understanding to the call and the assignment that you have for our lives. Lord, we'll be thankful and grateful for all that's said and done here tonight. We bless each one in this room. We thank you for their health. We thank you for their prosperity. We thank you for what you're going to do in their lives this year. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I've given you some notes. I also uh, emailed you a link uh, to my blog. You can get the electronic notes that way as well. Uh, <clears throat> so we got the best of both worlds. We got paper, and we got electronic. Amen. We're going to talk about the person and, and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our opening text is going to be found in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when God sent the Holy Spirit upon the 120 believers up in the upper room. And just to paint, paint a little bit, uh, picture, a backdrop of uh, the event that took place, uh, there was an upper room that probably, obviously, you know, had the capacity for the seating of 120 people. Uh, we've got somewhere around 50 people seated comfortably in this room. So that kind of give you a, a, an idea of how large the upper room was where the disciples were gathered. And they were in that upper room for 10 days praying. Jesus told them to wait there for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so they were there in one accord, the Bible says, praying and waiting for something. And so we pick up the text here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And then suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled or empowered them to speak. So here's the account. This is the beginning of the church. This is the birthday of the church. And the very first thing God did was baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Or another phrase would be to say, filled them with the Holy Spirit. Or gave them the promise of the Father. All those things are talking about the same thing. God giving his Holy Spirit to the church. The church is supernatural. I want you to know when you got born again, you stepped into a supernatural realm. And when he filled you with the Holy Spirit, or maybe you're here tonight and you've yet to receive that experience, it is a supernatural, authentic, heavenly experience that will change your life forever. 
I can tell you it changed my life back in 1980 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit as a young adult in college. It radically altered the destiny and the course of my life. And I want you to know that we absolutely need the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the Holy Spirit's not weird. He's not spooky. You know, he's not out there in left field. He is a gentleman. He is, Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, one who is just like me. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. And if you've, if you've read the Gospels and you've seen the account of Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, he went about doing good. He loved, he blessed, he forgave sin. He was able to relate to every aspect of society. That's our Jesus. And that's the Holy Spirit who lives and abides within us. When we were born again, the Holy Spirit took up residence on the inside of us. We have the Spirit of Christ in us, but then there was another experience on the day of Pentecost that the disciples received. you remember when the 12 disciples, they were in hiding. When Jesus got crucified, they figured, we're next. We're next because, you know, they came after Jesus. They knew we follow Jesus, and they probably figured, we're next. So they were in hiding, locked up. Their Jesus in his glorified body, walked through the wall and appeared to his disciples. And, and I mean, I'm sure they must have freaked out. But what did Jesus say? Peace unto you. And the Bible says that he breathed upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Right at that point in time, they were born again. The Spirit of God took up residence on the inside of our heart. But listen, there was something more because Jesus told them, wait for the promise of the Father. Hallelujah the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we can get there, I need to back up just a few steps to the time when Jesus sat down with his disciples, the 12 disciples, and he began to share with them over a covenant meal about the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit and about a new way of praying. So let's take a look at that first, because that's our foundation. You know, God wants all of our prayers to be answered. He wants you to have the experience of having an answer to your prayer. Because I know for myself, when God answers prayers that I've sent up before him, I put my faith out there to believe him and trust him for something, God gets bigger in my eyes. He becomes bigger, and, and when you have the experience of God showing up and answering your prayer and moving on your behalf, man, you get a fresh revelation of God's love for you. Isn't that true? Amen. So we're going to take a look at some, some very foundational principles that Jesus shared with his disciples there uh, during the covenant meal. And uh, you can, if you have a chance, I would encourage you to read John's gospel from chapters 13 to 16, because that's all covering one account. It's Jesus with his disciples in the upper room, breaking covenant meal, establishing the new covenant, and there he was disclosing to them the most important counsel he gave them, and that was the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit and how to pray. How to pray. Are you with me? So, John 16, verse 23 to 24. We're going to take a look at some keys to getting answers to prayer. The first key is that we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. We pray 
to the Father in Jesus' name. Every time I approach God, I approach him as my Father. Father in Jesus' name. Father in Jesus' name. We come to him in Jesus' name, not in our own name. I don't come, oh, Father, in the name of the most notable, honorable, Reverend Thomas, Bishop, Dr. Reverend Kiesling. That doesn't count. The only merits that we can stand upon are the merits of the name of Jesus because of what he did for us from the cross to the throne. Can you say amen? So look what he says here in John 16, verse 23 and 24. He said, on that day, say that day, on that day you will ask me nothing. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. How many want your joy full? I mean, you know, again, we're talking about when God answers prayer. Uh, I mean, it, it blesses your life. You realize how good God is. Your understanding of, of his love for you goes even deeper. New desires come as a result of God showing his goodness to you. It draws you closer to him. Amen. And so this is key. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Who did the apostle Paul pray to? He was the primary writer of the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we read today. Who did Paul pray to? He prayed to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at that scripture in Ephesians 3.14. He said, I bow my knees to who? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, back in the Old Testament, uh, Abraham was introduced to Almighty God, El Shaddai. The nation of Israel was introduced to the Lord at the Mount Sinai where there was fire at the mountain. Moses ascended there and, and, and the Bible records that God revealed, to, revealed himself to Israel as the Lord, Jehovah or Yahweh, Redeemer, because God was dealing with a nation of slaves. And God called him out of bondage and said, I am your Redeemer. When he approached to uh, uh, Abraham in the story of Abraham, one of the patriarchs, he approached Abraham, I am El Shaddai, Almighty God. I'm more than enough for you. I'll be God to you. Well, is he El Shaddai to us? Yes. Is he our Redeemer, Jehovah Rapha, our physician? Yes. But more importantly that, than that, Jesus introduced God to us as our loving Heavenly Father. So how should we address God? Father in Jesus' name. Father in Jesus' name. And it doesn't matter what your experience has been in your own personal life with your natural father. It was a, if it was a, ne uh, a negative experience, if it was neglect, if it was abuse, doesn't matter what it is. You now have a heavenly father who cares for you who knows the numbers of your hairs on your head, who knows every detail in your life, whose thoughts are continually upon you. Mm, glory to God. We have a good, good father. Tap somebody who says, my father's good. My father is good. Come on. It's so true. It's powerful. So who should we pray to? Well, Romans 8, 15 and 16 tells us this. When we were born again, we didn't receive a spirit of slavery or servitude. We received the spirit of adoption. God himself adopted us. He put his hands upon us, and he made us his own. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my child. How do we know that? Because there's something down deep on the inside of us. There's a witness. Everybody say witness. 
there's a witness on, there's something that can't be explained, but there's something you know, if you get quiet enough and read the word, you'll know deep down on the inside because the Holy Spirit lives there and he testifies to you, you are God's son, you are God's daughters, amen. And there's nothing God your father will not do for you. If he gave up his son for you, how much more will he give you everything that you have need of in this life? Amen. We serve a good father. Hallelujah. And we have that witness that says in our heart, it cries out, Abba. Everybody say Abba. Abba is a term of endearment. And it implies the ability to jump up in your father's lap and get intimate with your heavenly father. Know him as dad. Know him as provider. Know him as your lover. Know him as, as the one you can, you, can, you can tell all your secrets to, and he'll still love you. He'll still show, still show kindness to you. Oh, we serve a good God. Amen. So again, Jesus said in John 16, he said, on that day, everybody say that day. On that day, you will ask in my name, and I'm not saying to you that I shall ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. How many love Jesus? How many believe that he came from the throne? That he's the son of God? Well, because of your faith in Jesus, God has labeled you as special. You're his own. You're highly praised, highly, highly, uh, highly favored in his sight. Amen. That's the standing that we have with God. So eradicate all those misconceptions about God as being mean, as being ready to punish, as, as being ready to put sickness on you or disease or tragedy into your life. That's not the God we serve. That's not, that's not who Jesus represents. We don't see Jesus putting sickness on people. We don't see pe Jesus throwing people into tragedy or, 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 or being unfair to individuals. He treated everyone the same. He loved them unconditionally. He forgave sin. He healed sickness and disease. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, guess what? You've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God is good. God is good. God is good. Amen. And you know, that sounds so simple, but we got to get that into our thinking, into our heart. Do you really believe that God is inherently good towards you? He's benevolent towards you. He's kind towards you. He's disposed to showing favors. He wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. His desire to bless you exceeds your own. That's hard to comprehend, but it's true. That's why Paul, when he prayed for, uh, you know, the church, he prayed that we would experience the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of God's love. Amen. There's more for you to experience. There's more for you to know. There's more for me to experience and for me to know about the love of God for me. Amen. I mean, we're all in this together. Come on, somebody. We're all in this to get together. And so we pray to the Father. How? In Jesus' name. Now, why is that so important that we use the name of Jesus? Because Philippians tells us here, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus, gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, that name, Jesus, is the highest name in the universe. It, it has, it carries the highest authority in the universe. It's greater than your problems. It's greater than your pains. It's greater than all your past experiences. Hallelujah. 
It's the solution for our lives. Jesus means salvation. Hallelujah. So whatever you have need of, praise God. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. All you have to do is lift your hand and say, Father, in the name of Jesus. And you have just stepped into the audience of God your Father, the throne room of grace. I love the picture that the book of Revelation gives when the believers are before the throne of God. They actually see the throne of the Father, and over the throne of Father of the Father is a rainbow. You know what that rainbow signifies? If you're familiar with the story of Noah, it signifies unmerited favor and grace. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, come boldly to what? The throne of grace to find help in time of need. How do I come to the throne of grace? Father, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Take advantage of the name that's been given into your possession. Every day, pray to the Father using the name of Jesus. There's all kinds of prayers that we can pray. We're not going to get into all that tonight. But it's important that we lay that foundation that every day we're praying to who? The Father. In what name? Jesus. Praying to the Father in Jesus' name. Here's the second key. It's found in John 15, 7 and 8. Now, I would encourage you to definitely read verses 1 to 8. And uh, Jesus is talking about uh, the Father being the vine dresser, Him being the trunk of the tree, and uh, we being the branches of the tree, and how God the Father cares for the vineyard, how He cares for the tree. He loves Jesus. He connected us to Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says, you know, when branches fall down at the, on the floor, they become unfruitful. So God lifts them up, puts them on the trellis. And for those branches that are fruitful and producing fruit, guess what He does? He prunes them back so they can fruit produce more fruit. It's a picture of our relationship with God. God nurtures us to health, and He prunes us to health. How does He do that? He gives us His Word. He washes us with His Word. And that's what He did for the disciples for three and a half years. He washed them with His Word. He said, boys, you are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Amen. And so look at this Scripture. This Scripture, I remember reading this Scripture <clears throat> I remember the exact location of my parents' house, what bedroom it was, what I was sitting on. When I read this scripture, I thought, that can't be true. That can't be true. It just blew every circuit in my thinking. Look, listen to what it says here. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be what? Done for you. Wait a minute. Did he just give you a blank check? Uh, yeah, it's processing right now as I'm, I'm watching you. Did he give you a blank check? Yes, he did. He gave you a blank check, and it's already been signed in the name of Jesus. But what qualifies you to having an answer to your prayer if you remain in me and what? My words remain in you. So what's that talking about? Well, if you remain in me, Jesus, the disciples were not born again yet. And he said, there's a day coming. You're going to be born again. If you will remain in me, if you'll be born again, if you'll have my spirit living in, in you, and if you have my words in your heart. See, your heart has to be full of God's word. It can't be full of what's going on in the world. It can't be full of what you're dealing with in life, the problems, the challenges. Those things only rob you of your peace. They weigh you down. They don't give you a boldness and a confidence to come to God and ask Him to move in your situation. 
But when you read the Gospels, when you read the letters of Paul, all of a sudden as you're reading through, all of a sudden faith is coming to your heart. Expectation is coming to your heart. Confidence in your relationship is coming to your heart. And what happens is you begin to pray to the Father in Jesus' name for things that you desire, the things that you need in your life. Amen. Amen. And what does he do? You shall have them. You shall have them. Praise God. Powerful scripture. Let's read it out loud together. John 15, 7. It says, read together. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Man, read that over yourself several times. If you're lacking confidence in prayer, if you're second-guessing yourself and thinking, well, I know God will do it for someone else, but, you know, when I look in the mirror, I say, well, God do it for me after what I said or what I did or where I've been. And, you know, we discount ourselves. We need to go back to what he said and what he promised. Let's read that again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's a promise we have. Amen. There's another condition for answered prayer, and it's found in Mark chapter 11. Jesus was talking to his disciples about faith. He said, have faith in God. I like the amplified version. It says, have the God kind of faith. Whoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things which he says, he shall have whatsoever he says. And then he says in verse 24, he says, whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe, believe that you receive. Amen. So when we pray to the Father in Jesus' name with a heart that's full of the word, we are to expect that God hears us when we pray. And when we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, with a heart full of the word, we should walk out of our time with prayer knowing that God has heard us and that now God is working behind closed doors. He's pulling strings. Angels are working. Spirit of God is working on your behalf because you prayed to the Father in Jesus' name with a heart full of the word of God. Boy, that's, that's real simple, isn't it? It's very clear. Right? Are you with me, everyone? Okay. So we need to pray in faith. That's important. Believe when you pray that God hears and he's answered. It's not based on feelings. It's based on a conviction because that's what the word says. That's what the word says. But we stop a lot of time here at verse 24 and we forget to read verse 25. Verse 25, Jesus said, and when you stand praying, forgive. So here's another key about answered prayer. If there's stuff going on in relationships in your life that's out of order, unforgiveness, resentment, harsh words, whatever, you need to make that right. You need to get that cleared up because it stands in the way of God moving in your life. You know, the most important thing about life is relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And how many know relationships with other folks can be a challenge at times. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know that's true. It can be a challenge. 
And so there's always going to be opportunity for offense. There's always going to be opportunity for misunderstanding. There's always going to be an opportunity where you're not at your best and, or maybe they're not at their best and they said things that, uh, you know, ruffled your feathers, got you upset. Maybe you got offended. Man, we need to take care of that. We need to nip it in the bud. We need to keep our hearts free from offense. Forgive. I mean, be quick to forgive. Quick to say, I'm sorry. I was the oldest of seven kids, and, you know, there was plenty of opportunities for stuff to go on in the house. Don't look at me that way. I was the oldest of seven, and, you know, one of the things, you know, when, when there was strife in the house, mom and dad would say, go sit in that corner. And, and until you're ready to say I'm sorry to your brother or your sister, you're not coming out of that corner. We'd sit in that corner for hours. Hello? Stubborn. I know adults that are even more stubborn that stay in the corner for years because of offenses in their life. We got to let those offenses go. We got to keep our heart pure and clean. Man, forgive and forgive it quick. Let it go. Drop it like a hot potato. And so you can be in a place where God can work out things in your own life and answer your prayers. So that's another key point. So we see these conditions. If we have these conditions in place, then we can have great expectation that God is going to move in our affairs. He's going to move in our finances. He's going to move in our family. He's going to move in the problems, the mountains that we face. How many got mountains? I mean, Jesus used that, that figure of speech or that, that analogy of a mountain as an insurmountable, insurmountable problem that we can't handle or we can't overcome. And we need God to come in this situation and help. We do that when we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you excited about your prayer life this year? Are you excited about what God wants to do in your life this year? I want to encourage you to really get, man, get those lips flapping. Start talking. Start praising. Start talking to your heavenly Father. Start using the name of Jesus. Start speaking the promises of God over your life. Amen. Because God wants to work in your life. You know, God doesn't move unless we pray. If you want God to do something new and fresh in your life, you have to pray. If you want God to do something new that he didn't do before, then do something that you haven't done before. Amen. Maybe it's getting up earlier and praying. Maybe it's staying up later and praying. Amen. Maybe it's going to a different location and praying. Maybe it's finding a prayer partner that you can connect with and pray with. Amen. When I first got saved, I, have a, I remember Mike. I mean, he was my buddy. We were both born again, both saved. And we, we connected all the time. We, we listened to Brother Copeland tapes. We'd, we'd pray together. We'd, uh, and we, we, we needed each other. We here. We need each other. You need some good brothers and sisters in the Lord that you can set yourself in agreement and pray with. Can you say amen to that? You know, we've got some of our prayer leaders, our morning prayer leaders are, are, that are here today. Would you stand up? I know some of you are here. Debbie, would you stand up? Don't mean to put you on the spot. And, and uh, Vivian and Joni. Who else? And Connie and Richards. Okay. Uh, we have uh, early morning prayer uh, Monday through uh, Friday and Sunday. And uh, we encourage you throughout the year. You can always jump online. Go to the website and get on and jump on and pray with them. They have the spirit of prayer on their life. They know how to pray. They know how to get answers to prayer. Amen. So if you find yourself, you know, it's great to come to prayer school and get taught, but there's some things you need to get caught. 
And prayer, if you get around people who know how to pray, it'll, it'll get on you. It'll get on you. All right. Okay, so these keys. Number one, pray to the Father in Jesus' name, right? Keep your heart full of the word, right? Are you with me? And pray in faith and walk in love or walk in forgiveness. All those things are vitally important. That's 24-7 maintenance in your life, okay? But wait, there's something more. And this is where I wanted to get to tonight. It's the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How do you get to know the Holy Spirit and His dealings in your life? It all begins in your prayer life. That's where you become acclimated to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's, there's no other way to learn that except begin to develop and cultivate a personal devotion life, a personal prayer life where you're praying to the Father, praying God's Word, amen, in the name of Jesus, and there you're going to start hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible refers it to as a witness on the inside. A witness can't be explained up here, but it's a knowing down here. You know that you know. You can't explain it, but you know. And there's something that accompanies that knowing. It's the peace of God. That peace is supernatural. Amen. It's the presence of God. How many are grateful for the presence of God? Why don't you just lift your hands for just a moment. Lord, we do thank you. Hallelujah. For the presence of God. Oh, Father, even as we lift our hands right now in this moment, your presence is here. We sense it. We sense it. We sense your presence upon us tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, guide us with your presence. Guide us with the Holy Spirit who lives and abides within us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So here's the, here's the thing. The disciples had a mandate, okay? They were with Jesus for three and a half years. He discipled them. He gave them the word, and then he gave them a mandate. But then he said, wait. Everybody say, wait. wait. He told them to wait. Wait for what? Wait for what I've secured for you. I've secured something for you. It's called the promise of the Father. And so they uh, after Jesus uh, was resurrected, he walked among the disciples for 40 days. And then he gave them that command to wait for the promise of the Father. And then they watched him ascend bodily into heaven. He went to the Father's right hand. And then from that place, he secured the promise. And then we come to the day of Pentecost, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. He's being poured out. All right? And so we see here this event here taking place at the end of the Gospels in Luke chapter 24. He gives the disciples the command Wait, excuse me, look, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem. Again, you know, the, the Gospel of Luke, Luke was the author of the Gospel of Luke. He's also the author of the book of Acts. So he picks up here what he said in Luke 24, 49. He picks it up here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says, being assembled with them, Jesus commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. Everybody say, Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, for, of which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, say baptized, 
baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the promise of the Father is also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism means He wants to immerse you into the Holy Spirit's presence and power. He doesn't want you walking through your Christian life dead and dry as a doorknob. He wants you wet with the presence. He wants you filled with the presence. He wants you immersed in that presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I want to get wet. Amen. Why were the disciples commanded to wait for this promise? Because they needed something. They needed power for their walk. They needed power for their life. They couldn't do what God expected of them unless they received God's power for that. And so we see that in Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit wants to empower your life so you can be a dynamic witness that Jesus Christ is alive and that His power is at work in your life. Hallelujah. I want my life to be a dynamic witness. I want people to come in close contact with me and sense the presence of God. Do you know that Peter, poor Peter, he gets a bad rap. You know, but, you know, when you look at his life, you know, he denied the Lord publicly three times. And he cussed. He was upset with himself. He was mad. And he, he I mean, talk about a man full of regrets. And Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times. And when he heard that cock crow, you remember the words of Jesus? And I can imagine the condemnation and the weight and the heaviness that he must have felt. The self-condemnation, the self-loathing. How could I have done that? But when Jesus was raised from the dead, he told his disciples, go tell Peter. Oh, I love that story. When, when he got a hold of Peter, his heart, you know, his heart was moved towards Peter. He said, Peter, I pray that your faith would not fail. And he made sure that he, he got in touch with Peter after his resurrection. Amen. You can read that story. It's a wonderful story of Jesus just restoring Peter's heart back to the Lord. And here on the day of Pentecost, go figure. Peter, who denied the Lord three times, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And now he's preaching with power. He's preaching unashamedly. He's preaching boldly that Jesus is the Christ. Amen. What a stark contrast. Before and after. You ever see those before and after commercials, right? Peter before Pentecost, Peter after Pentecost. Peter before he was dipped, baptized, immersed, before he became wet with the presence and the power of God, Peter after he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that people would come within a shadow's cast of Peter, and that power that was on him would come upon them and heal them. That's presence. That's power. Wait a minute. Can God do, if God did that for Peter, can he do that in my life? Can God so revolutionize my life that when I come in close contact with those that do not know Jesus, that the presence, the power of God, moves upon their lives and draws them to Jesus. He wants our life to be supernatural. He wants our life to be a supernatural witness. And you might say, oh, you know, God can't do that through my life. Oh, yes, he can. If he can do it through Peter, who denied the Lord three times, he can do it through my life. He can do it through your life. Hallelujah. Because it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit 
in you. Hallelujah. Everybody say baptized. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit was absolutely essential for the disciples if they were going to fulfill the call of God, fulfill the assignment that God had for them, be used as witnesses for God. It's no different for us today. Yeah, the baptism of the Holy Spirit all, all through the past 2,000 years has always been controversial. It's always been controversial. Well, you know why? Because it empowers believers to put the devil under their feet. That's why it's so controversial. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit for the past 43 years. Do I come across weird to you? No, I want an honest assessment here tonight. Do I come across weird to you? I have a normal... Come on, honey, you can testify. Get up and stand and tell them it's true. He's normal. I'm a normal person. Yeah, I'm stable. Yeah, that's right. Some of you might not believe that, but I'm stable. I've been at it for 42 years, got the same fire I had 43 years ago that I have today. It's the Holy Spirit in me that's making me stable. But, you know, I remember in 1980, I'll never forget the place where I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was in Kathy Lee's home in second floor on Main Street in Medfield, Massachusetts, right next to Friendly's Restaurant. They're all talking about praying in the Holy Spirit. And there was a group of them. You know, that's where I got saved. They put me in front of, a, of a, uh, one of those Catholic pictures of Jesus. They sat me down, and I said, pray this prayer. And I prayed the prayer to Jesus on the wall, and he came, and he touched my life. I sat there for a couple hours weeping in the presence of God. I never felt so loved, never felt so cleansed. But then they started talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were praying for someone in the room. There's about seven or six, seven or eight people there. And I'm, I'm praying with them. And they're all praying. I'm thinking, what is this? This is weird. I mean, I was in college. I was, you know, I'm pretty intellectually bright. Some of you are giggling at me for that. No, no. When I was in college, I was tutoring college, okay? I was tutoring calculus and accounting while going through college and getting paid for it. So I was sharp. I was pretty bright light bulb, okay? But when this thing about tongues, when I saw it demonstrated, when I heard it, man, it just didn't make sense to me. This is weird. What am I getting into? I mean, my mind's racing while this is happening. They're praying over these people and... And all of a sudden, I just felt the presence, the presence, the presence of God. And I knew it was God, though I couldn't explain it. And then all of a sudden, I began to pray in the Spirit. I got too close. I got wet. I got dipped. And I've been forever changed. Thank God for the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Now, the Holy Spirit, He doesn't make you weird. He doesn't make you glassy-eyed. He doesn't put weird ideas in your head. He's just like Jesus. And he is a complete and total reflection of the Word of God that sits in your lap. In fact, he is the author of all the Scripture. How God anointed men all throughout the Old Testament with the Holy Spirit. They pen the Scriptures. Different writers, but only one author. 
of your Bible. It's the Holy Spirit. And he is rock solid, rock stable. He will make you solid. He will make you stable. He will stabilize your future. He will empower you to be a success in life. Can you say amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Is this happening to anybody tonight? Glory to God. And so we come back to our text, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. On that day, that's the day that Jesus spoke of. On that day, you won't ask me nothing, but you'll ask the Father in my name. The new day is coming. It was the day of Pentecost, the church age. And notice what happened here in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. We're on page 3, top of the page there. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in what? Other tongues. How? As the Spirit enabled them to speak. So... When the Holy Spirit comes on an individual to fill them and baptize them, He enables them to speak something. And it's something that comes from the Holy Spirit, not your intellect, not your head. Can't be explained. I can't explain my experience. You know, I've, I've seen hundreds of people baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Some had little trickles. Some had rushing mighty wind uh, rivers. Some had very different experiences. We all had different experiences. Cheryl's experience was very different from my experience. We all have unique experiences. Amen. But it's the same Holy Spirit. I can't explain to you, but you'll know it. There's a witness. There's peace there. There's a sense of the presence. Amen. That's how we get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Let's read that together. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. The Spirit enables us to speak. He gives us sounds, syllables. They come up out of our spirit. And as we yield to it, it begins to flow stronger and stronger and stronger. And it becomes a river that carries you into your future. It empowers you. Now, isn't that interesting that the very first thing that God did to the church when the church was born was he got a hold of their tongue. He got a hold of their tongue. You know, your tongue is the rudder to your ship. It's the guide to your life. What comes out of your tongue will determine what you have in life. It's so true. And so what God in his wisdom decided, I'm going to get a hold of their tongue. I'm going to put fire. Everybody say fire. fire. I'm going to put fire on their tongue. And now is, there's a correlation here because when you read the book of Acts, there was power demonstrated in the early church. And God wants to demonstrate His power here at International Family Church through us as a body and through us as individuals because God put fire on our tongue. Hallelujah. What does fire do? Burns out the chaff. What does fire do? It reveals the silver, gold, and precious stones. Man, there's something about the fire of God. Fire is equated to being bold for God, being hot for God. How many want to be bold for God? Amen. Maybe your personality is more quiet and shy, but to be bold for God doesn't mean that you're loud and rambunctious. It means you're confident and sure, and you know that when you speak, you speak the words of God. Amen. And you're confident in your witness that you can share Christ with anyone. Hallelujah. We all need that. So this event happens. 
It's early morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. The people are coming out from the upper room in and, and that crowded inner city of Jerusalem. And, and it's during the Feast of Pentecost. This is a Holy Ghost setup. God, you know, commanded the Jew Jewish people all throughout the Roman Empire. One of the times that you're to come to Jerusalem is on the Feast of Pentecost. Well, this is a setup, Pastor Josh. God's, during this time of Pentecost, all these people are in the city. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. They're probably, you know, uh, participating in some kind of a worship service or sacrifice service. And then all of a sudden, this ruckus is going on in the upper room. 120 people come out of that upper room praising God. And they're all praying in tongues. And people are hearing them in their own language as they pray unto God. Hallelujah. Some are wondering, what in the world is going on? These people are drunk. No, they, these people are out of their mind. No, these people are insane. Someone had to stand up and make sense of it all. And guess who did? Peter, the one that denied the Lord three times. Now, he's got not only, uh, uh, back then he didn't have an answer. Now he's got an answer. And he's, he begins to preach. And I'm giving you his condensed sermon, uh, his condensed sermon here. On the page, you'll find it, Acts 2, verse 16. He said, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of. In the last days, it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And that word prophesy means to speak for God. Everybody say that. Speak for God. God has given you and I a voice. He wants you and I to speak for God. Speak about what? About His love, His power, His healing, His salvation. Amen. And so Peter explains, hey, guys, it's the last days. God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Is God still pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh? Yes. Yes, and if you do the studies and look past in history, you will find evidence from one generation to another throughout our world that God has been pouring out His Holy Spirit upon believers. Hallelujah. And so at no different today, say, pour it out on me, Lord. He's pouring out His Spirit today, and He wants you to have a fresh outpouring on your life as well. Glory to God. Peter goes on to say, as we're reading his condensed sermon here, he said, God raised up Jesus, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this which you now see and hear. Peter was explaining. Jesus had to go. He had to ascend to the Father. When Jesus ascended to the Father, He secured the promise for you and I. And what did he do? He took that promise, and then he executed it by pouring it out upon the church in the last days. Amen. Jesus is the executor of everything the Father has promised you. And just like the Father promised us the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I can't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because He ascended to the Father, and He's the one that secured the promise. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you're in a situation and you're praying for someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, take the pressure off yourself. And recognize, no, Jesus is the one. Put your trust that He's well able to work through you that a person might be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do you receive the gift? Oh, man, it's so simple. It's so simple. Peter said, repent 
and be baptized. Simply believe on Jesus. Accept the sacrifice. Repent and give your life to him, and you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice again, we've been looking at these terminologies, the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's all talking about that dynamic relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with your life and my life. Amen. Now, I know this is meat and potatoes, but this is solid ground. This is solid ground. Are you with me? Now, who's this gift for? Who's the baptism of the Holy Spirit for? Who's the promise of the Father for? It's for everybody. God is no respecter of persons. He wants everyone to have it. Notice what Peter said in verse 39. He said, for the promise is to you and to your children. How many got kids? How many got grandkids? How many want to see God's Spirit poured out on their lives? Absolutely. And to all. Everybody say all. And what does all mean? Everybody. Everybody. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Catholic and non-Catholic. Baptist and non-Baptist. Presbyterian and non-Presbyterian. Muslims who turn to faith in Christ and non-Muslims who turn to faith in Christ. Whatever the case might be. God is no respecter of persons. He's been pouring out the Holy Spirit and he's been giving people a supernatural prayer language so that they could walk in the power. Amen. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. When you read through the book of Acts, the disciples were initially filled on the day of Pentecost. But when you read through the book of Acts, you'll find that they were filled again. And then again. And then again. I can tell you that's true for my own person. You know that's true for you. There's been times when I've, I've been dry and worn out and irritable and edgy. Don't look at me with that holy tone of voice. You've been there too, right? And you know why that is. Because you haven't been praying like you should. You haven't been getting filled up and refilled with the Holy Spirit. That's the place that God wants to live us for us to live at is to be in a place where we're constantly being refilled with the Holy Spirit. And how do we access that power? How do we access, access that presence? Acts 2.4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, as the, as the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak. Now, this is key. Don't ever discount tongues. Don't ever discount tongues. It's an incredible gift God placed in your life, the ability to pray in the Spirit. The more you pray in the Spirit. Now, I remember when I first started going deeper, praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, I was actually going to Victory at the time and living in a boarding house. And, and I remember pacing that room in the boarding house. And I would pray, I mean, I was just spitting cotton, as they say. I just didn't feel anything, didn't sense anything, but I was just pacing back and forth praying. You know, just praying back and forth. I, I'd do this for, for, for half an hour, for an hour. You know, I was single at the time. Cheryl was living in California. We were engaged. But I was learning how to pray in the Holy Spirit. But my initial, 
my initial experience was one of dry. Come on. Maybe you're there right now. But I had to press through. You know what I was doing? I was digging for myself a well. If you've ever dug a well, or put it this way, if you ever dug a post hole for a fence, I put up a fence once, and up here in New England, digging in this kind of dirt with all the rocks, it's not easy. It's hard soil. And, you know, that can be true about our own life because of our own experiences, the, the things we've been involved with. You know, sin hardens the heart. And if you lived a life of sin like I did, my heart was hardened. It needed to be softened. The more I pressed in and prayed in the Holy Spirit, my heart began to get softened. And then all of a sudden, I hit a gusher. Everybody say gusher. All of a sudden, I stepped to, into a presence I had never experienced before. Why? Because I kept pressing in. I'm saying to you this year, for some of you, you're going to step into a presence that you've never experienced before. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to press. You're going to have to dig your well. You're going to have to pray in other tongues until you hit a gusher. Don't be moved by what you feel, and don't be moved by all the arguments that your mind gives you, because your mind will give you a fit. What are you doing? You're just wasting your time. You could be doing something else. Clean the house, fix the garage, wax the car. Why is it those things always come up when you're about to pray? Am I the only one that happens to? Paul the apostle explains, he defines for us what New Testament praying is about. It's found here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Last scripture on the page. Oh, I'll share this other one first. Last page. Why is the gift so important for believers? Because it gives you a supernatural advantage. It really does. The Holy Spirit wants to give you an advantage in life. He wants to give you a leg up. I like what Jesus said here when he was teaching prayer to his disciples, verse 13 from the Amplified Classic, he says, If you then, evil or natural as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children, gifts that are to their what? Advantage. Advantage. This is your advantage in your walk with God. To walk closer with the Holy Spirit and to take more time to pray in the Spirit. Now, Paul said it this way, our closing scripture here in 1 Corinthians 14, and again, it's from the Amplified Classic. Paul said it this way, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, listen, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. So when you're praying in tongues on what seems like babble to you, nonsense to you, your spirit and the Holy Spirit are working together to bring forth God's desires, God's plans, and God's purposes for your life. The Bible says God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. And this is one of those things, one of those foolish things that God chose to use. He chose to get a hold of our tongue so that the Holy Spirit could work through us, take hold of the rudder of our life, and navigate our life. Hallelujah. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about the wind of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the power, the power that He has to navigate your life supernaturally. Hallelujah. 
I hope you'll come next week. How many will come next week? For the wind of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight before we go, we're going we're gonna to exercise that gift. We're going to pray in the Holy Spirit. And if you're here tonight and you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you haven't received your supernatural prayer language, tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. I said tonight is your night. Smile, everybody. Tonight is your night. You're with a bunch of crazy folks. I'm one of them crazy guys. Remember, I didn't say unstable. I'm crazy, but I'm not unstable. I'm crazy for God. I'm crazy for the things of God. And one of those things is praying in the Holy Spirit and accessing those mysteries, those secrets, those plans. We're going to talk more about that next week. Hallelujah. So let's stand together. Hallelujah. And Richard, you could just put a little background music as we pray. Hallelujah. In the Holy Spirit. Say this after me. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in me. Jesus, you are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I ask you tonight to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Refill me with the Holy Spirit. Rebaptize me again. Thank you for my supernatural prayer language. I exercise it by faith in Jesus' name. Now begin to lift your voice up and pray. Betima de Keshe de Lebosa, de Lebosa, de Lebosa, de Lebosta. Bilemandura Babasita la Barondro Bocosota la Baradosa. E premedita la Basata la Basota la Basata. Thank you, Father, for filling each and every one of us here in this room tonight with the Holy Spirit. Bietele Matura Babasata. Diela Marundolo Bocosa. And if you're here tonight and you want me to lay hands on you, just come walk right up to the front. Walk right up to the front. I will lay hands on you. Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed. Just come on up to the front. Myself, Pastor Robert, come on up here. We'll lay hands on you. Pastor Josh will lay hands on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just come on up. Stand up front here. Those of you that are filled with the Holy Spirit, let your spirit leap with excitement. There's your brothers and sisters getting filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Now the Bible says, listen to me for just a minute, those of you that have stood up here in front. Paul went to a place called Ephesus, and there were 12, 12 believers there that didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And Paul, what he did, and this was his custom, he laid hands on them, and the Spirit of God came upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues. God chooses to work through vessels, and he does that through the laying out of hands. So there's a biblical precedent for that. So we're going to lay hands on your forehead. 
I want you to forget who's behind you. I want to forget, want you to forget who's in front of you. I want you to just close your eyes and recognize the presence that's here. Just close your eyes right now. Recognize the presence of you. These hands represent the hands of Jesus. When the hands are touching you, you see Jesus himself touching you and baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for each one here today. Thank you for filling them with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving them a new prayer language, an authentic prayer language. It's of you. It's from heaven. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody say this. Father, I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I expect to speak in other tongues. In Jesus' name. Now, everybody, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and lay hands. Pastor Josh, lay hands. Paladele matuta balasata. Bepra sibojanda badasa. Mepre sebede besata. Here's that presence. His hands are laid upon you. Just open up your mouth and expect those sounds to come forth from heaven. Oh, the presence, the presence, the presence. Just as an act of faith, open up your mouth. Open up your mouth and expect to speak right now. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for, we loose those tongues in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's from God. It's of heaven. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You got it. You got it. Oh, the Father loves you. The Father loves you. It's a gift from your Heavenly Father. Just open your mouth as an act of faith. Expect God to flow through your heart. In the name of Jesus. That's good. You got it. You got it. Just stay in his presence. Isn't that wonderful? The presence, the presence. We're going to get this. We're going to get this. We're going to get this. Oh, yeah, we are. We're going to get this. We're with you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Oh, God's on you. God's on your life. God's on your life. God's on your life. Oh, he's got wonderful plans for you. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Jesus is your Lord. He's your Savior. He's the baptizer mm, of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, out of the deepest part of you will flow rivers of living water. Thank you, Father. 
Oh, Father, thank you. I loose that tongue. There it is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. I know you got your mask on, but just open up your mouth. Thank you, Father, for filling her with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for her tongue. In Jesus' name. Yes, thank you, Father. The presence of God is on you. No need to worry. No need to fret. God's orchestrating your life. You're not here by accident. Mm. Yeah, he's orchestrating your life. God's got plans, good plans, wonderful plans for you. No need to, to fret. No need to be care, full of care. Be at ease. Be at peace. Be at rest. You're in God's hands. Your future's in God's hands. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Father. He cares for you. He loves you affectionately. Oh, he has a gift for you. Thank you, Father. Braca de besis de la bata. Oh, sapadita rabasata. Probasi, 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 probasi. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, it's, start, it's starting to flow in your life here. You're, I'm, I'm watching you pray. It's coming out in a trickle. Few syllables here, few syllables there, few sounds here. Just keep praying. Now, now, now look at me, everybody. Look at me, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You can pray at will. You can pray whenever you want. You can pray when you feel like it. You can pray when you don't feel like it. The key is begin to exercise. Exercise what little you have. That little, it's what's happening. You know what happens when, when the well erupts? The pressure of that water has got to seep through the ground. And it comes up just a little bit at a time. Right? A little bit at a time. But you're tapping into it. You're tapping in. Let's pray again. Let's pray again. Open your mouth and pray. Don't let your head get in the way. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Saturate her in your presence. Saturate her in your presence. In the name of Jesus. Oh, wonderful things for you, man of God. Wonderful things for you. Yeah, you too, man. Isn't that the funniest thing? Yeah, that's God filling, filling you up, soccer man. Filled up to full in Jesus' name. For our children, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to share just a quick story. A quick story. I'll share a quick story with you. I was talking to this young lady. And she wanted to get filled with the Holy Spirit so bad. But she was just down on herself, struggling with her own life. I said, I'm going to pray when you go home that you're going to have an encounter with Jesus. That lady went home that night 
The next Sunday she came, you're never going to believe what happened. The Holy Spirit came in my room and I got my prayer language. I thought, go God. He can do it any way he wants to and anywhere and at any time. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Father, thank you that it belongs to her and each and every one in this room tonight. We go away from this meeting tonight filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this. Father, thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for my new prayer language. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Before we go, let's just close with a shout of prayer. Shout of praise. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. Father, we praise you. Oh, glory to God. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Father, for filling us, filling us to overflowing tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. Give a couple people around you a high five and tell them I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost this week. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost this week. Amen. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Pastor Rob, God bless you. Pastor Josh, thank you for coming tonight. Hallelujah. We'll be meeting next week, 730. want to encourage you now. we got a great opportunity to put into practice what we're talking about tonight. Come join us Friday night. Come with expectation and exercise that gift with us, praying in the Holy Ghost. I guarantee you, you're going to step into a greater depth of God's presence. We love you. God bless you. Have a great night.